Welcome to the Golf Digest Podcast. This is Sam Weinman. We're coming to you live from Baltusrol Golf Club on Sunday evening. And really the biggest upset of the week might be the fact that the tournament has ended. It is, uh, it's Sunday night. They've completed 72 holes. We're going home. I know, exactly. <laughs> which is uh, remarkable considering that they were talking about a Monday finish, a Tuesday finish. At one point, Ryan was looking into buying some property in the Springfield area. <laughs> so, uh, but it's over. And the, the second biggest upset, of course, is that Jimmy Walker held on to win his first major, went wire to wire. So guys, I'm here with Ryan Harrington, Joel Beal, and Alex Myers. Let's go right there. How impressive was what you saw from Jimmy Walker? Uh, very impressive. I mean, I can't believe he made it through uh, the final round of a major, playing in the final group without making a bogey. Uh, just uh, remarkable. We saw kind of the same thing, though, with Henrik Stenson, where it's someone who had never won, not only does it, but does it in such impressive fashion. Obviously, uh, Walker's two biggest chasers were number one in the world, Jason Day, and Henrik Stenson for yeah. most of the day. So that that was even more incredible that the two biggest names, hottest names in the game, were chasing him down. But he was able to hold it off and uh, couldn't be more impressed, really, with how he did it. Yeah, the Stenson comparison's apt, although at least Stenson had won in the previous yeah, month before. Exactly. Yeah. Walker came out of the total wilderness. Only had him visit the top ten since March. No show in the, in the last two majors, two of the last three majors. <laughs> Um, granted, he had that good run in what 2013-2014, but he's really been a non-entity the past few years. So just to see his name on the leaderboard, I think was somewhat of an upset. I, I thought too that you know with the 36 holes and whatnot that eventually fatigue or mental fatigue, physical fatigue, something along those lines was going to get to him here, and, and just never did. I don't think anyone really put a super lot of pressure on him, but at the same time, it didn't even look like he was going to fold if that was the case. He just seemed to be so steady and so uh, into his game, uh, and that's what impressed me. You know, it's funny, we, we, we go into these majors all the time and we think, oh, someone's going to falter because he hasn't been in this environment before. I mean, Walker has never been close to the lead no, uh, late no, on no. the weekend of a major. And it goes to show that I don't know if that's something that we overblow yeah. or if it's something where guys have gotten so good they're so mentally sound. I mean, guys guys do falter, so it does happen. And we saw, you know, we saw the best player in the world, you know, with Jordan Spieth um, this year at the Masters. But I, I, you're right, we continue to be amazed by the fact that these these supposedly untested players can rise to the occasion in the way that they have. Well, Walker's un we say is untested because he hasn't won a major before, but he does have a pretty good record. And so I think it was the kind of thing where what surprised everyone was the fact that he just hasn't been playing well lately. It's not that we don't think he's capable of doing it, but he hadn't had the, the trial under fire uh, in more than a year now. So I think when you look at Walker and you expect perhaps maybe a slide back, it's not because he's not a good player, it's just that he hasn't yeah, been tested. But lately. wouldn't you agree that playing contending for a major is a whole different animal? I mean, you have a three footer on 18, everyone's standing over looking yeah. if he's going to make it, because not because it's a difficult putt, but because it's, you know, it's for a major championship, for immortality. It's, it's fair, fair point. Yeah, I mean, it's funny though, as he teed off, Aaron Walker's wife said that he really thought of this as kind of just another week, which you, he actually took a nap in between right. rounds at one point. I mean, you, you can't imagine that someone who's teeing off with the lead in a major could be that calm. But I do think we overrate the, the clutches. I think in in baseball, that's kind of been proved that clutch stats are a little overrated. In golf, I think it's a little more relevant. Obviously, one person's out there by themselves. There's so much pressure on them. But I think a lot of the times, it's just you play well or you don't play well that day. And, and uh, sometimes we do overrate it. And I think the fact that we have seen these guys break through recently um, like you said Stenson had been in the you know 
in contention before, but Jimmy Walker had never been close. Yeah. The closest thing, the most pressure he'd ever felt before was the Ryder Cup. Sure, sure. And, um, you know, again, that's that's totally a lot of pressure. But again, this is one, this is just you coming through in one of the biggest four events. Um, I think it just shows that you can do it in your first time, obviously. It was weird. He did, I felt like, crack just a little bit there on 18, that mm -hmm. second shot. Yeah. Way right. But the fact that he was able to play it smart and just went for par, put it 30 feet away. That was really, I think, the most important shot of this day, that, that chip shot. Jesus. I think everyone was, oh, please, don't put this in the bunker. You know, get this right. on the green. And the fact that he was able to do that, not the greatest of lies either. I mean, it was not the worst, but at the same time, it wasn't clean by any means. So that was really, that was, I think that's the shot of the tournament for me. Well, that, that, to me, actually, like, validated the win almost to a certain extent. And that, you know, again, I didn't feel like he was getting a whole lot of pressure. He was doing a great job, obviously, and he yeah. was he was taking control of the event. But when the pressure finally could have been applied at that very end, he, he came through. And, and the the second shot, he didn't necessarily come through, but he came through after that and, and made that par putt. And um, and that, to me, showed that he, that he won this tournament, if you will. Well, the sorry, the third shot on 17 was, sure. I mean, it took a hop, and it's a foot away from going into the rough or maybe even the bunker, and it puts on the brakes and spins back to almost gimme range of course he also almost missed that putt but that shot was was a remarkable shot as well to your point that he did seize the moment but Correct. you're right there was about an hour or two hour stretch where it was jimmy walker followed by jason day and henrik stenson they were within a shot or two of him and none of them ever made a run yeah, at him right. and and that was huge because he was just treading water making pars until he hold that bunker shot on 10 and uh, you would have expected that Stenson or Day, again, two of the, you know, obviously the best players in the world, would have put a little more pressure on him, but I think that did end up helping. Another thing that I think ended up being overblown, and tell me if you disagree, is before the, the final round began, we talked a lot about the fact that they were going to play lift clean in place yeah. in the final round, and the fact that they didn't repair. So the lift clean in place, I think, ended up all things being equal, everyone dealt with it, it wasn't that big a deal. I mean, that's my perspective. The, the, the not repairing could have been a big deal, but for the fact that you know everyone thought, oh, he's going to play alongside Jason Day. It's a much different story. Yeah. He's going to fall through. Well, it, basically, he did play alongside Jason Day because he knew he had to make a putt or make par on the 18th based on what Jason Day had done. So, essentially, he was contesting against Jason Day. Uh, because, do you disagree? Uh, no, no, no. I, I totally agree. I think the fact that nobody from the earlier part of that the, the group really made any kind of a move. Yes. Brendan Grace was the only one yes. who did, and then. He made the bogey on 16 and didn't, you know, only made a par on 18. And so you didn't have that storyline coming through to fruition of, of some guy from the front who didn't know what he had to shoot to be able yeah. to really win the tournament and didn't have a fair shake. I do think it came down to the final groups there really being the ones in contention, and, and it ultimately didn't really um, have a real impact on how the finish happened. Well, I mean, it, it is a little bit of luck, right? Because it very well, easily could have been hurt. Just, they, got, they got lucky, obviously, with the weather and, like you said, that... The guys who were leading after 36 holes, for the most part, were leading after 54 holes. So you did still mm. have Day, Stenson, and Walker all within a hole or two of each other. But I will say this, not to take anything away from Jimmy Walker, of course, but Jason Day probably would have liked to play in alongside Jimmy Walker in the final pairing just to put a little more pressure on him like he got to do last year with Jordan Speed when he took him down one-on-one -on -one to win a Whistling Strays. Yeah, I mean, again, my point, though, is he did put pressure on him and walked a response. No, I hear you're saying he did, it probably it manifests itself earlier different. and things like that. You never know. You never yeah. know. But meanwhile, we talked about um, how they got lucky. I said this before the tournament or before the final round started, the ultimate bad luck situation would have been someone, <laughs> this is the worst case scenario, is someone posts a number 
and is basically going to win, but there's a couple of stragglers on the golf course who have like an outside, outside chance. That would be such an untidy way to end the that day. So, so not only are we lucky that we finished on Sunday, but we finished on Sunday in a very satisfying way. And of course, get to go home so that's it <laughs> well the, the the fear i did have obviously is that walker starts feeling it a little bit on right. 18 and suddenly we have a playoff and there was no way they oh, would have done the playoff no, tonight. that would have yeah. been that i had to come back tomorrow that would have created a whole new wrinkle to this whole thing and and, and again it, so in my mind walker legitimizes what he did for the 36 holes he had to play today by uh by by closing it out on that 18 screen do you see a feel thing in the 36 do you feel like because of that any of the energy was kind of sapped out. Uh, it, it felt like everyone before the round, because of the lift clean place, was expecting, oh boy, get the Astros ready. You could see a 62, you could see a 63. Instead, no one really went that low. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you chalk any of that up to the guys that are just a little low on energy from the weekend, or do you kind of actually credit that to the course setup? I think ultimately the, the, the course conditions prevented it from going too, too low here. I, I think uh, it was still sloppy out there. Now, mm -hmm. granted, obviously, you know, you could fire right at pins and you wouldn't have uh, an issue uh, with firm greens bouncing things around. But at the same time, I just think it w there was going to be too many variables now with the way the, the golf course was set up. Uh, not set up, but the way it would play at, played out with being how sloppy it was, that you just weren't going to have that really low score. But the, but you didn't have any really high scores either. We were just yeah. looking at the board no. here. Henrik Stenson shot a 71, and that's the highest score from anybody in the top 40 yeah, of the field. Yeah, that was amazing. So, I wonder, you know, we, we, it's a good thing that we didn't really get into talking about, was I wonder if they set up the whole locations in difficult spots because they play lift man place. I didn't even... That, Kerry Hag did say that they, yeah. they, they put them in a little bit of higher locations. Yeah. For that specific reason, they didn't mow the the, the, right. the anything uh, in between rounds, so the, the you know greens the slow. greens were slow, and you saw that. Uh, the guys never really figured out, I think, the pace of the greens after the rain from Saturday. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say, yeah, the greens were slow. They got slower as the week went on. Obviously, that I think that was in the players' heads. I did think that there were a lot of. I'd have to look at the sheet, but it did seem like there were a lot of back pin locations, and I feel like. Even with the soft conditions, you have guys not really willing to take on those. Yeah. Those, you know what I mean? And sure. So they're coming up short, playing to the center of the green, and again, leaving themselves with 30 foot putts, which under fast conditions, maybe you make a few more, but under these slow conditions, uh, you know, at least at least watching Jimmy Walker as he kind of plotted his way through, I mean, obviously he, he got his round jump started with by holding a bunker shot. He couldn't make a putt. He, he was hitting mm -hmm. to the center of the green and he was coming up short on basically every birdie attempt. So I think that kept the scores from being crazy low. But yeah, no one really did poorly. As, as you mentioned, Henrik Stenson, 71 being one of the worst scores. I'm curious from you guys who you thought any other winners from this week were because quite frankly, I, obviously Jimmy Walker walks away with his first major championship, but uh, there's a couple other storylines yeah. that are play out that I think will continue on into the fall. And the one that, that sticks out in my mind is Brooks Kepka. Yeah, sure. definitely. Um, you know, and his ability to, to play as well as he did, given that he's been on the sideline for so long with that ankle injury. Coming in, he's moved up to, I think it was fifth on the Ryder Cup points list now, and so in, in good shape to make that. Yeah. Uh, were there other storylines that, that you saw play out to that, that kind of stand out in your mind? Well, I feel like the PGA always does this where there's a couple of guys who, you know, have never really, this is like their, their one chance to, it's like the, you know, the, the, the JV major where they get the, the step up. I, that's the mean thing to say. I don't mean it like that, but it, it does seem like the PGA is one place where guys sort of cut their teeth a little bit. Um, I think William McGirt is an example of a guy who's done nothing in majors. Played, he's only played in three majors before. Had a really good showing. Didn't have a great final round, but obviously 
uh, play well enough to finish top, you know, tied for 10. So that's a great showing. And even like guy like Emiliano Grillo uh, struggled in the third round, but it's another example. This is kind of his 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 precedent now. He's got something to point to. He says, okay, I threw myself in the mix a little bit. I can now you know build on this. Uh, starting next year, in whenever the next major is, like in like two years, it feels like so. Unfortunately, yes. No, the, the crescendo of this summer is is come to a yes. screeching, collapsing yeah. halt. As you can even hear. When Although I'm yeah. now excited for the Olympics in the sense that um, now it's upon us. We can now officially start talking about it, and also uh, a lot of the guys who were in the Olympics seem to be playing well. So. Yeah. The, yeah. Well, of course, Daniel Summerhays jumps off. I mean, you no know one expects him to be third in final round 66 uh also was top 10 at the u.s open so maybe he's getting something going but but clearly obviously not to go back but jimmy walker is the big story going from 29th to fourth in the Ryder cup standings that is that just shows you how much the majors are worth in those standings and, and as they should be i think um you know maybe it, i don't know that's a little extreme but to you know, he one of his main goals was making it back on that team. He knew he had a few more weeks to do it, but he got it done in one week, obviously, by, by winning the Wanamaker Trophy. I also kind of look at the storylines today. The one that kind of pops out is Brooks Kepka, but for the opposite reason, I think that was the one guy who was hurt by playing 36 holes today, obviously mm. on the bum ankle. Before the round, he said, it's not going to be a problem. I have 18 holes to win a major. It's, trust me, it will be far from my thoughts yet. He was all over the place today, not only off the tee box, but even as a pro, it seemed like he was scrambling every hole. That's a guy who I wonder if they would have played Monday, how he would have fared, at least put a little bit more pressure on, on you know, Day and Walker. Is, is there a takeaway storyline from the majors now? I mean, so we've played all four. We, we, we kind of digest. Well, first time winners. This is later podcast material. Don't, don't cannibalize. No, go ahead. Go ahead. But, but I'm curious, like, for instance, uh, uh, who had the who comes out the big winner of the majors this yeah. year? I mean, you said four four new you know first time yeah. winners obviously and whatnot. Uh, you know, I, I can tell you the guy that comes out as a loser in my mind is Rory McIlroy, who just yeah, just yeah. never seemed to, to really you know play into it. But I, I'm curious if there's somebody now that, that now you have all four in, in the books here uh, stands out in your mind. Well, it's funny um, you mentioned that. I mean, the player of the year. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I guess. I, I mean, Jason Day. Dustin I'm, Johnson's probably first player of the year right now. He is. Got I think, a major I think now the the next, actually the, the yeah. big winner of the majors is the FedEx Cup. And I'm, I'm not being sarcastic. And the reason I say yeah. that is because it now takes on huge relevance for the player of the year player because the year. there's no clear winner. I mean, I guess uh, Johnson will be edging out a little bit. But you heard the CBS broadcast they cut back from that commercial earlier. You heard Ian DeGraffis go, I guess if Henrik Stenson wins, he's the player of the year. You could tell they're having that exact same discussion. Yeah. They had no idea who, yeah. who was good. No, it really does seem up in the air. You're right. And so uh, with a few more big tournaments to play out and uh, uh, the people of Pont Pedro Beach will, I'm sure, send you that box, that bouquet yeah. of uh, <laughs> flowers or chocolates or whatnot for, for chocking up. But you're right, actually. Well, <laughs> I, it really will come into play this year, maybe differently than it has in years past. It will. And, you know, last year there was a little bit of a debate when, when Jason Day won the PGA, got hot, won those first two playoff events. And you're saying, well, how can someone with one major be, be a guy with two majors? You might be saying the same thing if Jason Day is able to do, do the same, win the you know win one or two playoff events, win the FedEx Cup. If he ends up with four or five wins on the year versus someone with two wins and a major, it's going to be a debate again. So he's, on, he's still in, in the hunt for let's that. Let's talk about discount that Danny Willett and uh, Henrik Stenson could both win yeah, a major and sure. Olympic gold medal, which could you know as much as we talk about the Olympics, I think yeah. that would be a huge deal. So definitely, definitely. Let me ask you a question about Baltusrol real quick because I feel like Baltusrol risks 
falling into the same category as Bethpage Black, which is like the two majors that were sort of beset by weather problems, and that's what defines the venue, which is it's a totally uh, random thing, although maybe it's not because they're no. both in the New York area. But I wonder if Baltusrol, if it, you know, if you gained favor this week or lost favor, what do you think? I think the fact that they were able to finish it tonight, and, and that seems such a random little variable, but it's a big one. I, you know, the 05 uh, PGA. It, it, it was just a couple groups that got stuck out. I don't envision that, or I don't think of that in my mind as, boy, this was this waterlogged, horrible yeah, yeah, tournament. Totally. Whereas, you know, if they'd had any kind of a delay today and they would have pushed it into Monday, then then it does start getting into the, the unfortunately sad story of 2009 Bethpage, which to me stands out in my mind as just yeah. being a, a continuous rainy mess. And, and you could have had that play out here. I don't think ultimately it's going to be. You know, I, I wrote something for Golf World and, and the idea that uh, we're going to have short memories about some of the rain totally. and the weather issues here. Uh, the only guy that's going to remember it for a long time is Kerry Haig because right. he had to live through it and almost live through the pain of actually going to a Monday. Uh, but but ultimately, no. I don't think the golf course is going to take any kind of a heat for it. If, if nothing else, it actually played really pretty well, all things considered, all the rain we got. So uh, I, I think ultimately it still stands up as obviously a, a venerable, uh, venerable golf course. I, I agree. I think, I, A, I'm impressed with how it stood up with the rain. But B, if you listen to all the players' comments before the week even started, I mean, they were really positive, except for maybe Marcus Fraser or a couple of stranglers. Everybody liked it. They said it's right out in front of you. Yeah. Um, I mean, look at line course, classic right? Right. Look at Jason Day. He didn't play a practice round until Wednesday. He almost wins the tournament. So it has that going for it. it it's not the exciting up. finish that we all wanted Excite- with the, the two par five right, turned right, out right. to be great. Yeah. And being in this area, close to New York City. The crowds were fantastic. I mean, it was raining, it was muddy, it was nasty. The crowds, uh, we were both at the, at the British Open, the crowds blew the open away. I'm sorry, golf tr- traditionalists out there. They no, you're were, absolutely there right. There were a bit more fans here on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday than there were at the Open on wow. any of the tournament days. And they, the were right and they were into it, they were into it. So you host a major right. near a big city like New York or Chicago or LA, you're gonna get great crowds as well. No, definitely. I, I think it, it was, uh, considering what they had to slog through this week, and particularly this weekend, obviously, it was a really, uh, really, you know, great turnout from everybody here. And I think ultimately the tournament, you know, winds up still looking very positive. Totally. All right, guys, is that it? Is that it? our last podcast of the major season? I'm a little bummed. You're shedding a tear right now. Yeah, this is a very emotional moment. <laughs> Well, we'll pick it up this week probably. We're going to see who we can get. We've got another major with the Travelers Championship. We do have the Travelers. That's the, kind of the, the unofficial fifth major. Anyway, for Ryan Harrington, Joel Beal, and Alex Myers, I'm Sam Wyman. Thanks for joining. Please subscribe to the Golf Ideas Podcast on iTunes, and we'll see you next week.